It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, for the first time in a long time, the best times. It's a crossover episode with the Glue Guys coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. You know we thank you for making us your first listen free on all those great platforms and let you know, excuse me, that today's episode is also sponsored by Bet Online with more odds, lines, and props than ever before. Bet Online's got you covered, and we have got you covered flying solo. No time for nonsense. Doug's not here. That means we can really focus and have a good conversation as we welcome in. Ryan and Mike from the glue guys. What up fellas? Uh, this is officially, I mean, I, we said before I knew Brian uh, once upon a time feels like we have, we would have good symmetry, uh, our mm. podcast. And yet we never bothered uh, connecting, which I think is smart. Yes. Overdue. Well overdue. I'm stealing production notes, by the way, as we speak, the stream yards thing, this is getting elaborate. You're, you're really, I was, I was absolutely <laughs> blown away by that intro. I had no clue that was coming. Uh, I've yeah. never experienced. I felt like I was on sports center circa 2006. Yeah. Where's Neil Everett. This is amazing. <laughs> we tried real quick, but the Chiron at the bottom, I don't want you to change it. Cause it says Brian and Mike from the, the glue guys the. or Megan, the stallion. <laughs> um, I please don't change it. I want. I would keep say is the glue guys, and we're gonna. I'm not changing it, but I am gonna just bring it down for all those YouTube watchers, so that we have Ooh. the big look at our big beautiful faces. That's just a byproduct of having a broken key on your keyboard. So you got to mm. do that. You want to do that spell yep. check because yep. those E's they fire <laughs> off pretty fast and furious. Um, no, uh, listen. Everybody knows the glue guys, so I'm not really gonna go too far down the uh, the laundry list of your accolades. Being a great podcast that covers the Brooklyn Nets, but. Because we know we finally got news outside of just reporting on speculation that Kevin Durant's officially going to come back. Mike, you and I were talking before we got started. Um, you I mean, listen, we were waiting are, you guys for are you guys happy to have yeah. a superstar? You happy to have a superstar? Yeah, I mean, so we talk. I, I do feel so there's alternate realities, right, where they trade Kevin Durant for Scotty Barnes. And I get super into Scotty Barnes or Brandon Ingram or whoever that guy would have been. Jalen Brown, I would have been. I mean, the Jared, Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first-round pick trade, it would never would have happened. And if it did, I would cry. Uh, uh, tears would be shed. Um, uh, of joy or, or of sadness? I can't really sadness, tell. Sadness. Pure yeah, sadness. Say, that, that, sad. that would be yeah. horrific. Um, but you wanted the you wanted the uh, Colin Johnson package from Atlanta, right? <laughs> hey, I, was, I was bought into him as a draft prospect big time. But like, I, I, I could have seen myself becoming a fan of a young team, uh, getting excited by progress, not points and produ actual production, just progress. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Kenny Atkinson model, the who's the next Joe Harris? Who's the next uh, Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie? Yeah. Uh, I'd rather have Kevin Durant. Uh, 
maybe not Kyrie Irving, but I'd rather have Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons. And you yeah. know, we're in that we're in that reality, and and I will stay in this reality. I will not not to ruin everything everywhere all at once. The highest grossing movie from A24, mm. but I will remain in my reality and not go to the hot dog fingers one. Yeah, uh, I can sense neither of you guys saw that. Movie. The, Brian, the technical do you, do you oh, concur, better, better players are better for basketball teams. Yeah, in general, I agree. And I, I'm with Mike in that I too. And I think the technical term for this is copium. I was ingesting huge, huge quantities of copium. Uh, thinking about a, a Jalen Brown or I mean Scotty Scotty Barnes was my I think copium's the first poo that a baby has. I think hmm. that's um do you not I thought know you said that? opium, which I figured <laughs> we're just you guys hedging. have never heard of copium? How is this your first day on the internet? Come on. So copium is when you <laughs> when you're coping and you're ingesting the cope. Mike, you seriously oh, it's never heard of meconium. Meconium is the first okay. uh, official bowel movement from a baby. Uh, Mike has five kids, so you should you should know that. <laughs> I don't have um, five kids. Um, but yeah, in general, I am incredibly like we talked ourselves into a whole a whole bunch of different scenarios that seemed somewhat okay. The Scotty Barnes one was was my flavor of choice, but um, this is obviously obviously a huge improvement. Looking looking back on this whole ordeal, so we um. Yeah, for sure. And that's the funny thing about covering about covering the team. Like you have you have the conversations. Well, you know, Scotty Barnes, what does that look like? How would you proceed forward? Okay, Jalen Brown, what's then what's the trickle down effect? Does Kyrie then get put on the market? Would we would you really eat Russell Westbrook's money? Right. And all, all right. those kind of conversations. But now we're here and as we, we kind of said it, we stayed mostly positive when we when we got on to first discuss this. Okay, Kevin Durant is back, but there is also this little ring of, I think that this is the one year everybody's cool. Let's all just calm down for a second and we can revisit. Like we can come back to the table on this. Do you guys agree that um, everything leading up to the trade deadline, what this team looks like, how they're playing together, how Ben Simmons looks like there are still a lot of factors here that don't necessarily make this. Thanks so much. We're all better now. See you in the finals. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The problem. By the way, um, I don't usually have two people on with me, so I will not be directing questions to one or the other. I'm just going to say it. Mike, Mike will field it. Don't worry. <laughs> leave, leave I will always it. jump in first. <laughs> yeah. but do not worry. Uh, I am the. Uh, I'm, I'm color voracious. Man. I, just, I just add little, you know, flavor. <laughs> you know. Bells, and um, Bells and whistles. Yeah. yeah. The. There's no way. The funny thing is, we act like there's no one's really even acting like this. Uh, press releases don't solve problems. And I don't. This is a new theory that uh, I'm I'm living by. My mother was a psychologist, and she taught me this: press releases don't solve problems. Mm -hmm. Um, there. How how could Kevin Durant go from uh, wanting to fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks to being like at that lunch with Clara, Joe, Sean, and Steve and Rich? You know, a classic group. Uh, how I Met Your Mother style friendship over there, and just say like everything, like basically everything's fine. Like, you know, there's an element of it that we've seen before in basketball. We've talked about this, but there's a famous documentary called The Last Dance about how everyone hates each other and they still win. And it's not unprecedented to do that. NBA is, is sort of the sport that lends itself most to uh, interpersonal problems leading to success on some level. Kobe actually, part of his guiding philosophy as a player, something I disagree with because I don't think this is what made Kobe great. But uh, Kobe believed disagreement amongst a group creates sort of a better outcome, uh, which, again, is just typically not true. 
Uh, but that's what Kobe Bryant believed. And obviously Kyrie is an acolyte of Kobe. Um, you know, and and so like the problems are still going to exist. And, you know, if, if we talked, if we had a joint pod in six months from now talking about trade deadline and how KD's available and all this stuff, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. But I am I am surprised by and this is sort of shifting topics a bit, but I'm surprised by the amount of commentators. I'll say like Bill Simmons specifically or people like that who who are discounting the Nets from a talent perspective this year. Like, I I understand you don't believe in the Nets because they are potentially explosive in a personality sense. But the talent is, like, still there. You know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, we talked about Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons is what he just was pre, you know, his um, sabbatical, which actually is not a guarantee, you know, this team is awesome. <laughs> this Mike, team is awesome I, and fun. And I've noticed even you are a little bit low on the Ben Simmons return arc. Uh, and I'm I'm pretty, like, I don't know if I'm alone in this, and Adam, I don't know how you feel about it. I'm like, I'm thinking that I'm pretty bullish on, on Ben Simmons having a bounce back here. But people in general are like, he might never play again. It's like, I just don't, for a 25-year-old or whatever he is, that I know I get it. There's all these circumstances, and I don't want to, poke holes in any of the when mental health stuff is is afoot that's that's treacherous yeah. those are landmines i don't want to dance around um but it, for my part i'm i'm feeling like it's the kind of situation where he could come back and it would look a lot like ben simmons of 18 months ago well i tell you what uh I, yeah i do have thoughts on ben simmons and and really specifically what he needs to be for this team in order for them to be successful let alone though i, I want to touch back to what you were saying mike about um last dance Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and also about Kobe Bryant and the Lakers, because there's a, a very big distinction between those teams and those conversations and what the Brooklyn Nets have been. But before we do that, guys, let's tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. Why don't we? Yeah. I got to tell you guys, betonline.net, and you know this. I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find your favorite sports and events, the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. I know. That Brian and Mike got over there and they threw a couple shekels down mm-hmm. on the Brooklyn Nets championship odds just before Absolutely. the news mm-hmm. broke that Kevin Durant yep. was going to stay come back here. Ben Simmons MVP odds are ripe for the <laughs> <laughs> six man of the year. Cam Thomas, you know you're going to want. I was going to say Ben Simmons because that would actually be a play. <laughs> that, he that comes would off be the bench. Good. Is he a comeback player? I guess there is no comeback player of the year uh, in the NBA. I keep referencing that there is, but there isn't. Um, but if you lobby hard enough, you can you can probably get there on that if you needed to. Uh, listen, yeah. though, guys, bet online just just quickly, if I could, if I could. Continues <laughs> to be the top resource for all your sports wagering information from live game betting, scores, and podcasts. They got you covered. You head over to bet online today or use that mobile device, and you can get all those action happening for you. A little bit out of order, but you get it. Bet online. It's where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Nice. Back in here if we want to. I, I was waiting for Mike to derail it one more time just to see. <laughs> just to the see. best thing that you can do yeah. uh, if you're doing ad reads is to have different screens. So when that comes up, I don't see that anyone is trying to communicate something to me, and I can just yeah. keep powering ahead yeah. as if it doesn't matter. Um, so first on the, just quickly on the 
on the uh, Last Dance and Kobe stuff. The I'm I'm only pushing back from the standpoint of yes, sometimes yeah, you all come back together and you win. Those teams were already winning. Like you know, Michael Jordan was already a winner. Phil Jackson was already a winner. The Bulls were already winners before they got to let's do this one last time. We all want to be somewhere else. And even with Kobe Bryant, it's the same thing. He had already won championships, and then he was like, I think this is falling apart. I want out of here. And you're able to kind of, you know, both sides have a reference point of, oh, we've been successful. So it it only takes calmer heads prevailing to maintain it. When it comes to the Brooklyn Nets, like, if anything, for both sides, ownership and for Kevin Durant and for Kyrie Irving, it's what have we seen over the life cycle of this iteration of the team? we've actually seen a lack of success, right? Like one playoff series win, getting bounced out. And when you start to then sit around the table and point your fingers, you can find ways to say, well, it's because Steve Nash may not be a coach in real life. It can be because guys weren't playing. It can be random mandates that you don't see coming. But that I think is the hardest part of leaning on, on that type of narrative that that's happened before because only because these guys haven't done it together prior. Yeah. I just want to see them play basketball together people healthy this team establishing roles people being fit in the way that they're supposed to be um you know i don't have a ton of faith in steve nash but this team is almost set up so i don't want to say it i don't say not saying that steve nash is an idiot but it's idiot proof in terms of he's canadian um, so he's you know minutes distributions not in terms of personalities like you, you should be going in. Everyone's role is pretty defined, particularly if they get like a guy like Markeith Morris or whoever sort of Tristan Thompson, which seems like an all-time bad decision to put Tristan Thompson onto this team. <laughs> this team does not does and, not and, need the heat and why Tristan it's Thompson brings. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it it's Kyrie, KD, Ben Simmons getting X amount of minutes. It's Joe, Seth, and Patty Mills rotating the two shooter spots throughout the rest of the game. Uh, it's Nick Claxton playing the 25 minutes as the center. Um, you, you know, Kessler Edwards maybe gets like 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, Royce O'Neal probably is a 30 minute guy. Like it, it's all pretty clear. The team is built. Uh, it's idiot proof. And so I want to see it. I want to see these guys play basketball so badly. Mostly the thing I'm most excited about is Ben Simmons. Like if, if Ben Simmons is good, it, it how much fun would that be? He was he's the perfect third star, if, if we can still call him that, for Kyrie KD. He's the perfect guy. There's no other player besides Draymond Green, but Draymond's not coming here for for these two dudes. Well, look that's that Kyron. About look at that. Like. Love it. Listen, I'm listen. I'm just over here. I'm just over here doing <laughs> You're work. Crushing it. This is amazing. Um, I've been working with oh, no, Brian yeah. for so long. But now, like, but now I got some so low. <laughs> Mike, you're the producer. Again, I'm just <laughs> I'm just the talent. Yeah, that's right. That's I'm okay. Right. I made it through. Um, but no, you were saying, uh, Brian, about about Ben Simmons, and it, it's a couple of things. Like he doesn't he doesn't need to be. And you said it too, Mike. Like the third star, third star, whatever that standard is. He needs to replace. The first thing he needs to replace is what the Nets lost when James Harden was gone. And that's the facilitator. Like what, what broke down the most was just somebody to move the ball between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And when, when Harden came in and there was this willingness from Kyrie, he was like, yeah, yeah, you do your thing. I'm fine. Like that, that's the role that, and I think it's the role that he should be in, but then you looked around the rest of the roster and it was, well, who's facilitating like, you know, who's, who's going to set up the offense and move this ball. Patty Mills. Isn't that Seth Curry. Isn't that Joe Harris. 
barely even want him to dribble. You know, like you don't have that other guy to do that. So it's like, that's the first thing that I think if Ben Simmons is healthy and comes out on paper and plays, it's funny, offensively plays a point forward role for you for big stretches. And then I think you flip the script with what you want him to do defensively. But, but where do you see that Brian, as far as what is, how many boxes does Ben need to check in order to be like, Hey, you're doing the job we need you to do. Well, I think it's also like the kind of way I think about it is it's a matter of it's a matter of integration. So and I and I feel I fear actually that talking synergy here? Of, talking synergy, yeah. talking culture. Um I feel there's a possible dichotomy effect of what Ben Simmons does, where like we have to, we often talk about KD and Kyrie's like religion of hoop getting, where you know, for the last especially this last season, it seemed to the that they really prioritized just like, you know, ISO getting their own buckets, taking turns. Uh, making very difficult shots seems like they, you know, they really value making difficult shots. Um, I'm I'm both optimistic and fearful that Ben Simmons can integrate, but also like it's very possible that he could get steamrolled in the religion of hoop getting because he is not that. Um, so like the way I always kind of think about it is like, can we run? I this is when when Harden was sort of like managing the offense. Um, I always wanted there to be like an offense in three acts, you know, and, um, you know, with Kyrie kind of like leading a break and then Harden kind of running a, you know, standard offense. And then if with seven seconds or less, you need to get a bucket, there's probably nobody better on the planet than Kevin Durant. I actually feel that that's like even better now with Ben Simmons running that break and then Kyrie kind of operating in the half court and then still Kevin Durant being like your, your nuclear bomb finisher. Um, it's for me, it's a matter of making sure that Ben Simmons can be assertive enough as a, as a person, as a human to, to actually integrate himself into that offense, because, um, you know, again, I'm optimistic, but there is some level of potential that he could get kind of left by the wayside and just become that full utility player, which is fine. And it's, he'd be an amazing utility player, but you're not extracting the most value out of what Ben Simmons could bring. That's interesting. Cause I guess cause the way you like when you're describing it that way. Like I'm almost, you know, I don't see him get steamrolled, but offensively, I'm like, yeah, just kind of be available, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, make the make the passes when they're there for you. Like, that's a high part of his game. And when it's on the when it's on the fast break, yeah, be the beneficiary, obviously, of Kyrie Irving pushing the tempo. Um, but but you feel like as and we've heard Ben Simmons say, it's not that I can't shoot, I just choose not to, which is an all time, I think. <laughs> yeah, great. It's a great sidestep, you know. It's that's like, how I. That's how I play too. So you yeah, know, exactly. I'm, I'm. I have a gluten allergy. It's not that I yeah. can't eat gluten. I just choose not to. If yeah. I did, you'd see the disaster that I become, right? Um. <laughs> so I think there is that part of it, and maybe there is that pa- uh, there is that passive nature that you worry about with him. But I'll be interested to see because I think you plug him in there, and then you talk about having Harris and having Curry healthy. Like it's just the amount of firepower you have offensively. I I, I switch over to the defensive end, and in the biggest way think about a Nicholas Claxton you mentioned, right? Like 25 minutes for Nicholas Claxton doing his thing. How much better and more specialized does Claxton get to become now because you have Ben Simmons. And I think that was the biggest detriment of a guy who's almost played a season's worth of games in three years, but is still so young in Claxton, but you kept asking him to do more and more beyond maybe what you ever really wanted to. Now you get to say, have these switches, take the, take the more difficult defensive assignment away from Kevin Durant. Let him get into a more comfortable a role defensively where he gets to use his length and his size and really pick on some of those smaller matchups too. 
And can I finally say, like, I'm, I'm just celebrating the fact that we get to be at this point of the off season <laughs> where, <laughs> where yeah. we can talk about, is Nick Claxton going to start alongside, you know, Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant, these three, you know, nigh seven footers who aren't necessarily, well, Claxton's probably the most traditional five out of them, but we're running two other fives who are not real fives. It's just, just interesting X's and O's stuff. Finally, finally back in our wheelhouse. Yeah. And thank what's God your, we have like, some, what's your, some like, maestro. Your... Our X's and O's maestro and Steve Nash running the team. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> well, because uh, well, there's that part of that too. Um, but what is, what's your ideal five? Like, what's your what's your starting five? What you know, and what are those players off the bench? Because you mentioned like Kessler Edwards in there. I think the the, the yeah. funniest thing about this is, um, and we talked about it the other day where I said to Doug, I was like, well, you know, now you get to look back at that first round pick for Royce O'Neal a little bit more favorably since Kevin Durant's going to be here. And we did pause there and think. Is that still really? Is a first round pick for Royce O'Neal still a good move regardless? But everyone's into their more compartmentalized roles. So you immediately go to Kessler Edwards and Dayron Sharp and even Cam Thomas and think, right, what were we going to do with you originally if things hadn't been so chaotic? You guys are young and you're developing. Do you look at the, the TJ Warren prospect and the you know coming back off of his injury and Royce O'Neal and say, yeah, this is back to a veteran heavy team that hopefully doesn't get bogged down with some missteps you know, getting guys that fall off the cliff like Blake from year to year or LaMarcus Aldridge, et cetera. Like it's, it's veteran heavy, but without some of the risk. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think, so it's interesting because Claxton, while he's inexperienced as a role man, it was, it's still the best thing that he does on the offensive end is rolling to the hoop. Mm-hmm. That's never been Kyrie's game to be playing off a big like that to do pick and roll Kyrie, like when Kyrie disdains having a, a man pick in front of him. He disdains any any ounce of help. Yeah. He just You're only wants, slowing down my process. You're only yeah. slowing me down from doing what I need to do here. He wants to operate on his own. And obviously, KD doesn't need picks, and he doesn't run a pick-and-roll offense. Um, and while Ben Simmons could potentially be the, the, the best pick-and-roll big in the NBA, considering his ball handling and his passing, and, you know, he's super athletic and all that stuff, I think the starting five... So, like, I wonder if they are going to start Claxton just to have, like, a traditional, and it would be Kyrie, Claxton, KD, um, Ben Simmons, and Joe Harris, right? Like, and they, they just kind of start traditional. To me, the optimized lineup is still going to be Claxton off the floor, Ben Simmons on it as the center, KD, Royce O'Neal, uh, Joe Harris, or Seth Curry, and Kyrie. Because, like, you're still... You're going you're gonna to want the Royce O'Neal defense, even though uh, Shannon Sharp listed negative statistics about Royce O'Neal's defense in the, what was it, the Jazz Suns series or the Jazz whoever's or Mavericks series, which is like, okay, I understand Royce O'Neal didn't do that well, but that's also because Donovan Mitchell doesn't play defense. Um, and Rudy Gobert got absolutely blasted off the floor. So mm. no one was, no one on the Jazz was any good in that series on the defensive end anyways. Um and so, like, again, that actually is where Nash is going to have to choose. You can never play an end-of-the-game situation, never, with Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons. Because right. those are the well, two worst... Well, although Claxton's been working on the free throws, though. So Yeah, I'm, I'll, I will wait for the uh, the results to improve. But they are the two worst free-throw shooters in the NBA. Maybe, maybe Ben Simmons comes out firing free throws, and we don't even know it. The funny thing is, Nick Claxton, there's a video of him online uh, lifting weights, and he was doing bicep curls. Is there a more useless exercise for a basketball player than bicep curls? What what does the bicep do uh, for you're talking about the ladies? True. I mean, 
you're talking to a, a guy who who's his whole life has been built around his biceps. Brian knows this. You? That's you. <laughs> <Who's> Sorry. <guys? laughs> the absolute, the absolute monsters over here. Who's the fourth <laughs> person that's in on this podcast? That we're not. That, we, that isn't on screen right now. But let I'm not see. a basketball player. Let me see. I'm not, let, I'm let not a basketball him. player. Show, show me your nothing for you, Nick Claxton. Show your biceps right now. Yeah. Do do some rows. Get your back up. Do the shoulder raises. Oh, the, the rows are bad for the back. Don't don't listen to that. That's propaganda Seriously? from the erg machine. Oh yeah, you never you never want to be bent over, hunched over anything. You know, must be deep in the workout regimen. Yeah. If, if one <laughs> one comment from Brian and Mike goes, seriously, no, no good. No. <laughs> that's it. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> that's the relationship that we have. I trust him implicitly about hit back. back. Anything I'm to the do with the back. I trust back the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, we did. You touched on Donovan Mitchell, and I just want to throw this grenade into the conversation. He, The Nets were on Donovan's... Um, Change that Chiron. This is the Donovan <laughs> Mitchell. Short, he was on the short <laughs> list. Would you would you do a Ben Simmons plus things for Donovan Mitchell? Oh, I don't like um, I don't like Donovan Mitchell. Uh, yeah. Not not He's like a as a not as a human being or He's a as bad a, person. Yeah, as a, right. yeah, exactly. It's not yeah. the basketball. It's all the off the court stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all no, him I don't, playing with eight year old children. Yeah. We've we've had this this philosophical conversation before, where like even Kyrie Irving, like name any uh, Trey Young. Is Trey Young as your best player on your team? Is that a championship winning team? Probably not. There's just you run into limitations when your point guards, when guards, when smaller players are your best player. Now, obviously, Donovan Mitchell wouldn't be the best player on the Brooklyn Nets in that scenario. Um, I guess that that, that'd be a total reexamination because everything was always predicated on if Kevin Durant's not here and you Mm -hmm. try to go and get Donovan Mitchell like that would not be the guy you would want to move forward with for me. Um, I I agree. Another option, please. Yeah. Okay, so. there's a couple of factors we have to think about. Donovan Mitchell cannot be traded to the Nets if Ben Simmons is on the team, right? So because of that rookie extension yeah, yeah, rule. Yeah. Okay. So let, I, I let's just look at the, the pretense for what I said was Ben Simmons for Donovan Mitchell. No, no, no. Sure I'm, but my, this, I'm setting up my scenario. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Please set it up. Three-way trade. Oh, I'm not thinking about Ben Simmons yet. Okay. Let's say he's off the table. The Nets move him for a comparable talent. Actually, you can make it a four-way trade. Sure. Why not? If we're, okay. if we're already doing it. Ben Simmons goes to Indiana. Buddy Heald, Miles Turner going to Brooklyn. Donovan Mitchell going to Brooklyn. Kyrie going to L.A. with the Lakers. Russell Westbrook and those two Laker picks go to the Jazz. Plus, the Nets are sending whatever picks they can, some young talent. The Pacers, because they get Ben Simmons, are sending a couple of future picks so the Jazz get all their picks. They get the salary dump in uh, Russell Westbrook, right? They get to clear their books. At the end of next year, they have all the salary cap space. They probably get five first-round picks total, two from the Lakers, uh, one from the Nets, two from the Pacers. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that out. But you built. would you rather have Kyrie and Ben Simmons 
or Donovan Mitchell, Miles Turner, and Buddy Heald. This is real. <laughs> yeah, this is and, this and Adam. Spot, and Adam, okay? now you see what I have to—the agent of chaos that I have to work. Well, with I'll get now because by the way, but so here's what's funny. Um, over the spectacles, I well, first of all, it's hilarious that we were somehow on a trade conversation after we thought the whole point <laughs> exactly. was that we now know we're not talking about <laughs> trades. Um, but over the life of our podcast, this off season. The amount of times that Doug would say on the podcast, he's like, oh, nobody likes a good, good trade machine like Adam. Like, I, I'll get in there, man. I'll crank the wheels. I'll turn them out. Um, I, I, and any of that stuff, I don't see any reason. Like, Ben Simmons, like, Ben Simmons is one of the best players you could have, like, for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, he does everything that you, that you want to compliment those two guys. Like, I, I think you want to see how that plays itself out before you go doing anything, uh, anything crazy in terms of moving guys around. Um, and I don't know if like is if we can talk about it, I guess. Uh is Miles Turner like is that really you know? Like I feel that, like it's just that that's just the name. That, yeah. It's just the he's, guy he's that he's into Legos too much. I, I say he, he he for me falls into the the fantasy basketball like sort of right. over overrated machine. It's, I mean, I love him as a who, fantasy basketball player. Who was it? Um Sabonis when he went out to the Kings, right? Like the, 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 when that was going on too, it's like everyone talked you talk about these players, and I think the one distinction for any of them is um the unknown of what are they in playoff basketball, right? Like you talk about, it's like when now Kevin Love became a contributor on a championship Cleveland Cavaliers team with LeBron James, but all those years when he was Pat statting for Minnesota, it's like, it's great, but it doesn't actually, doesn't mean anything in terms of when it matters most and where are you in matchups and shy of one deep down to all the way from his toes to the top of his head, defensive maneuver to contest a shot. The big part was like, oh, right. When you get into championship playoff basketball and at this point of his career, Kevin Love is like a massive liability in several areas, too. And you don't think about those things when you're playing on a non-competitive basketball team. I'm not saying that that's Miles Turner, but I just think the way that you think about guys and examine them always has to be contextualized with like, what's the highest level of basketball you've played? Where's your versatility going to be? And it's why pre where we are right now in this moment, when you look at the Nets, when Nicholas Claxton, when you're dialing up his minutes and his workload, you're saying, okay, but what can this guy not do? There's a long list of things that starts to change how you view a player. So um, I, but I, I would be curious if we got to the deadline and things weren't going great. One of the background um, to tie this in, one of the background conversations was this Kevin Durant, not really a fan of the idea of playing with Ben Simmons and what could the start of this season sample size tell Kevin Durant and tell Kyrie Irving and tell the Nets where then if Simmons is playing good, but doesn't necessarily fit to what they think they want, would they move him at that point? Would they explore those options at that point once they've reset his value? Uh, that's for you, Brian. Thanks. Oh, I'm, I'm on me. the trade machine over here. Sorry. Yeah, Mike, Mike, give it to Mike. He's <laughs> getting notifications. And then, and, then, and, let's, and then let's get off. And then let's, I yeah. want to get off of, off of this. Uh, well, well what's the question? Because I'm, I'm seriously on the fans by trade machine. I just made it work. I made it happen, everyone. <laughs> No, yeah, any of that stuff is possible. I, I, I did all kinds of those things. I did I did the, the Russell Westbrook and move him to Team X and shuffle around. Yeah, 100%. If I was going to go do something like that, then I'd say go do what you need to to move some pieces around and get John Collins because I actually like I, I like him as a player. I like him as a complimentary piece. I like that he's under contract for a little over $20 million a year on the same timeline as Kevin Durant, you know, et cetera, like if you want to explore those things. but Can, um, can, can I ask you a question? Yeah, right. Brian and I do a segment – not all the time, but sometimes the worry meter. Okay. Uh-huh. How worried you are of the Nets, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. What do you who, rank your worriedness about them? How worried you are about them going into the season? 
both in terms of their production and also what they may do personally to the fabric of the team. Because I am, I am more worried about Kyrie than I am Ben Simmons. Kyrie well, yeah, I mean, like Ben Simmons has a... everything in front of him, like right now, right? Like every every reason to come into this season and be healthy and look good, regardless of whether it's going to be for the Nets in the long term or not, right? Like everything's in front of him. Um, if you think that Kyrie's just playing out the string, right, and and wants to be somewhere else, LA or otherwise, then I guess there's that chance. But I'm I'm worried about Kyrie. Like I I, I think. I think a part of the equation in Kevin Durant's mind, and I'm interested to hear from him. Like, I I, I, I don't know if he's going to do the Aaron Rodgers and be honest. Remember when Aaron Rodgers had his, remember like two NFL drafts ago when Adam Schefter tweeted that Aaron Rodgers wants to be traded. Then he had his first press conference and he like directly said, like, I hate the management. And I hate, you know, right, I hate right. these people. These people are bad people, essentially. Like, I, I would actually like it if Kevin Durant said, Specifically, I don't trust Sean Marks. Um, I don't think Steve Nash is a very good coach, but I'm I'm back here because I do think that this is the best situation. I don't know if we're going to get that level of clarity with Kyrie. It's like there's rumors from everything of that he actually wanted the extension to he may retire to he just wants to play with LeBron to he only really wants to play half the games in a year. Anyways, he would never agree to a a contract that or only rewards him if he plays X amount of games. Like, well, my thing, but here's why I'm not yeah. worried about him. He's on a one year opt in. So where is my worry? Like it's zero because, okay, okay. It wouldn't be the best scenario, but let's say it goes belly up. He's gone. Yeah. You know, I, okay. You know, at least it's off the books, right? Like my, my worry level around is Ben Simmons fully back, you know, the, no pun intended, like is the back healthy, right? Because perfect that can come around again. Like that can, you can have issues with that. So his health is probably the biggest concern. If he's healthy, then even in the scenario that in lo- in the long term, Kyrie isn't going to be a part of this team. I can immediately think about what is Kevin Durant with Ben Simmons. And now tell me play, play, player number three, right? Where can the nets go to add another piece with those two guys that compliments them? And you can keep winning basketball over the next three years. But that's Do the we, thing. If, if Kyrie leaves for not like, let's say it's a sign and trade, right? Like he leaves mm-hmm. next year, the sign trade, you're never going to get anything that good coming back, right? Like the best case scenario is the D'Angelo Russell thing, which is like, you get a young guy on a long-term contract that then you can use in a trade in the future. But like, that's my worry about Kyrie is that he, he, because he didn't get the extension, you know, the nets are in a good position. It's good that he did not get that extension. It is good for the team. It's good for Kyrie's motivation. Everything's good about that. But if, if let's say he retires or like he just walks away at the end of the year to another team, then the Nets are down to a situation where like you have a disgruntled ish KD, however gruntled he will be by then, and Ben Simmons. So like I, I that's what worries about Kyrie. That's why I'm kind of still motivated for them to trade Kyrie Irving because I want something back that keeps someone like a big number on their books that is valuable that can contribute in a real way. And I just worry for long term of the team. Kyrie's not going to be on this team. It would shock me if he's on this team for two more seasons. Really? I don't know. I, I know think, this is a long term conversation. My pet speculation is that in you know, going from you know uh, cataclysmic, I'm not coming back, and I need you to fire unless you fire all of management to like, hey, now I'm back and everything's fine. I think in part of that negotiation is what's up with Kyrie getting extended on this 
know, uh, next, next contract. Like what, what's, what's up with that? And I think that like, I think all Kyrie needs to do is show up for the first half of the season and he's, or, you know, for any like significant portion of the season and he's going to get that e- extension from us. I'm yeah, I agree. Sure. See, I, yeah, I agree with, with, with you, Brian. Like, I think that a lot of that conversation was again, you know, Kevin Durant, and this is what we thought about too. It's, you may not love Steve Nash as the head coach, but making the statement of it's them or me was, is also a, you know, a last state statement about, I want out of here. Like, and this communicates to everybody that you don't want to be here. And it's a big ultimatum. But the fact that you get into a meeting and you come out of it with everybody being intact, and there's a little bit of the Brooklyn Nets and Joe Sy saying, we're going to stare back into the abyss of this, right? Like we'll stare into the abyss of, of being an awful franchise for years. This is where we're going to go. But, um, the inside of that as well, saying what happened with Ky- what, what happened? Why did the Kyrie Irving extension not happen this off season? Like I wanted, if you're Kevin Durant and if the Nets were able to communicate, it's not that we're not going to do it. We just, we got caught up in the language of it, whatever this push and pull. We have certain things we want to see and he opted back in so we can keep talking. And I think you might be right, Brian. It's like, if everything is going great and the Nets are a top four seed in the front half of this season, you can hear he gets signed to the extension in season this year, I think. Yeah. And also, can we do a quick shout out to Pat Beverly for the timing of his? Uh, I don't know if you guys, <laughs> I'm sure you saw that he went out and. What and was that was, that he said? So he was basically saying that um, it's thanks, annoying. Thanks for nothing, KD. <laughs> it's, it's basically annoying that KD won't, like, this is before he had sort of rescinded his trade request, uh, that it was annoying that, that there hadn't been a resolution on that because a bunch of teams were in a holding pattern, you know, financially. So a lot of the guys, you know, down your roster they weren't able to make decisions for themselves and some guys are going to have to go play overseas. Da, 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 da. So it was like, you know, whenever one of these stalemates happen for a big contract guy, um, it just, it just screws everybody down downstream of them. Uh, and so and be then, one like, of the best w- players in the NBA and then, you know, yeah, but that. <laughs> true. true. <laughs> you know? that, it's a little bit of a, a right to it, but to some extent it was like, thanks for the, for the alley-oop, you know, Pat, like, you know, I was, the timing <laughs> of that was perfect. <laughs> Um, do you think then, uh, we we'll probably get out of here on this a little bit. Oh, well, and by the way, anybody, uh, listeners, watchers out there to borrow from, right. uh, the always sunny podcast creeps. Um, we're, we're going to cross over the other way at some point along here too. Cause I think there's always good conversations and nobody needs to know that you guys are great. We think that we're pretty special too. So it's yeah. always good to have these kind of conversations, great but next time, time uh, thanks for having us on. It's great to be on. Oh my yeah. Uh, wear, wear a white t-shirt lovely. next time, Mike. Though. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> and a black hat <laughs> if you can. Yeah, if you total, total mess. Yeah. Um, the Steve Nash piece of it. Do you think that he's safe for this year as well? Cause we kind of like, that was the other thing of it is like, I guess if they like in the old, you can't just have a good time for 24 hours. It was like, okay, fine. Everybody's back. But would Kyrie and Kevin Durant just dog it to start the year so that they would have to say, look how bad Steve Nash is and move off of them. Like I, again, also think that Steve Nash is about as safe for this year as he could possibly be. And again, inside of this conversation is, Listen, man, like we get how good you are. We're going to use you for how good you are, but you got to give me some type of, of ability to say, let's try a little bit of this. Let's work with a little bit of that. Steve Nash has done nothing for his coaching reputation, regardless of all the chaos around him, but we still don't know how much was what happened on the court out of his control or out of his hands, right? There's things in the playoff series getting swept by Boston where you're like, Hey guy, are you, are you even, you know, are you with us at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got two superstars who seemingly were done for the, you know, were checked out on the rest of the season. So do you think that he makes it through? Let's go with upper right, Mike, this time. <laughs> um, 
he is the person i guess in the most in pressure right like the the player the locker room is seemingly set unless if one of them asks out again Kyrie can't go anywhere ben simmons really can't go anywhere so it'd be kd that could be the only one that forces his way out again and we know how that went uh sean marks probably isn't going anywhere because josiah has that relationship it's very easy to fire a coach and then you know move up an assistant or try to bring someone in I and mean, we we have seen chris finch was brought in during the nba season from the raptors bench to the timberwolves bench so it's also not now not unprecedented mm. to bring in a new coach during the season and if we want to be conspiracy theorists we want to put the tinfoil hats always, on always do i mean every people have said this so it doesn't feel un, quite new, unique but now that the uh, boardroom watermarks on all nets uh, oh yeah yeah we didn't get yes yes mark jackson is just he's gonna loom quite large depending on how much we believe katie has in terms of power within the franchise um rich Kleiman is obsessed obsessed with mark jackson he has said repeatedly that mark jackson should get another job um as a head coach in the nba if the if KD actually gets more power because of his trade request, which may be the case, we don't really know. He may actually have more power now in the next decision like this. Mark Jackson is going to be a name that's thrown out there, and he's available to coach. I mean, he can jump out of the ABC booth and move five seats over, and he's ready to coach. I fear that, but I will say this. Mark Jackson was a better coach in Golden State than Steve Nash has been in Brooklyn. Wow. Wow. Um, and I know people people like to shit on Mark Jackson, and I would I would I would choose hey, guy we're on a hey, network here for hey. crying out loud with the language. I would choose Quinn Snyder a thousand times out of a thousand, right? I would grab I would grab Quinn's long locks and I would say, Quinn, come coach our team. I'm sure that would be a successful way to do it. But <laughs> but I actually as much as I don't want Mark Jackson to be the coach. I also don't think Steve Nash is that good. So like it wouldn't, it wouldn't bum me out. It would bum me out a little bit though. If it was Mark Jackson, uh, it would, like, bum it me would out tremendously if it was Mark Jackson, I am on Steve Nash. I should yeah. say, well, but no, and it's by the way, like you, you mentioned like Mark Jackson, which everybody, you know, Nets fans, everyone wants him along the way. It was like, Oh, that's who it should be. But like golden state, he did a great job from a coaching standpoint. Like he was doing a really good job there. The re other reasons beyond that but inside the locker room being the main reason why he was fired from golden state and they brought in steve kerr like the last thing that i would want to do if you're firing steve nash which is fine is bring in a guy that probably his biggest area of weakness is managing the personalities and the players and community you know i mean that's what you can't bring into the locker room might be steve nash's strongest attribute it's the problem that he may not necessarily be able to get it done on the court right but like you cannot bring in a guy who was specifically let go because of what he does inside of a locker room i mean i, I don't know if we're dancing around this or not but part of the reason that mark jackson got got axed was because he basically facilitated a uh like religious <laughs> like fever in in his locker room i mean imagine that on a team with Kyrie irving among others it's <laughs> that is that I is gonna be problematic that. that would yeah, be no, uh, yeah yeah that would be a see but maybe mark jackson has evolved you know i'm, I'm sure i'm sure there's maybe some lingering th- i don't want to speculate let's yeah. not but let's um, not speculate yeah the, the <laughs> last the last then the last thing how, how does this how does this season play out or let's just championships let, we're at the trade deadline 
what is going on? You know, are the Brooklyn Nets just looking to maybe add a little, eh, a little piece, looking for a buyout guy? You know, tweak oh. the roster. Everyone, everything's running smoothly for this season. We're or for somebody who's who's guarding Joel Embiid. You know, that's what we're. This is the meme. This is always the Claxton's meme. Job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Job. Please, please. See that guy. You see, you see those moves when he had when he. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be on YouTube for that. By the way, yeah. I'm available in case they need me. I'm not of the height, but. I got True. the biceps, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I think that, well, by the way, I'll even throw this one in there because everybody, you said before about, um, you know, Boogie Cousins and then like they said it was immediately like Carmelo Anthony and, and Dwight Howard. Those are the next two things that are going to happen for Brooklyn. And let alone that I don't think you need another, like, I, 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 I do not like Dwight Howard, but um, the idea of bringing another guy that like can break free throws. Man and is <laughs> limited great hair guy um but does that like does that sentiment immediately concern you if you're like now the one thing you don't want to do again is bring in old players that have real limitations and can break down pretty quickly like if there's going to be a lesson learned out of this it's here's your superstar talent and you already have a guy like tj warren and a guy like royce o'neill like those are already better complementary supporting cast pieces to bring in here i do not like the idea of saying like, now who's another old guy that we could bring in here and maybe midway through the season say, ah, shoot. Cause two years ago they did that and it, and it worked with Blake Griffin the next year you did it and it didn't work on so many different levels. And that ended up really from a strong mark standpoint, like that backfired on you. Like those are mistakes. You don't go out and, you know, bring in JJ and even Javon Carter and then end up being like, man, maybe we'll cut him and he'll just go play for the bucks. Like there were big mistakes made from a front office standpoint in constructing a well-balanced roster behind these guys too. Well, there's a belief that it was Kevin Durant that was really deciding who those people were. And yeah, I so I, will we ever, will we ever know? Will we ever yeah, crumble yeah. that cookie? We'll never know. I, 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 I think if we're talking about the trade deadline and what this team's going to be like, I honestly believe if everyone's healthy. The basketball will be figured out fairly easily. Now, I don't know. You said the, before about like people doubting them. If this team is healthy, I don't yeah. know how you're not excited about this team. Yeah, I, I think this the the talent will be enough on the team. They won't be perfect, and but they they will have an opportunity to gel and figure out their weaknesses and figure out their strengths. And they're going to have a lot more strengths than most teams. And we talk about the Ben Simmons thing. Ben Simmons will play this team if he is mentally right and everyone's healthy. Is the best team to put around Ben Simmons possible. It mm-hmm. is shooters and Ben Simmons, right? You know, it's funny to think about. We talk about this Embiid stopper. It's not Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons is going to be playing the five for this team a lot. And technically, it'll be Ben Simmons guarding Joel Embiid. And how juicy of a matchup will that be? How how electric of the rivalry between, you know, the process versus Ben Simmons in there? That'd be so exciting. I mean, I honestly believe, again, if everyone's healthy and no one's taking sabbaticals, this team's going to be a top four team in the East, and we're going to feel vibes wise good enough that it's not going to feel like we have to destruct it. Kyrie Irving is the wild card, and you know he is will always be in his career. So we'll see. Yeah, and I basically echo that. It's it's the paper versus reality situation that's haunted the Nets for the last three years. It's always looked good at this time of the year. It's and you know it's tempting to want to want to zag and be like no you know it's we, but but it's again i'm, I'm getting debated it, it's still it remains tempting um you know as as we've said all things health and otherwise concerned like off the table it should be a really good team and a fun team 
You know, I mean, yeah. the RPM that we're getting, um, you know, like love James Harden. Don't get me wrong, but that was a a a slog of a team watching. You know, those those possessions a lot of the time, uh, just not super fun to watch. I think adding the Ben Simmons element actually just like creates an entertainment value that that we've been sorely lacking for a while. Um, but yeah, so in general, I agree with everything. Health notwithstanding, I, I'm pretty bullish. And by uh, uh, by free agency or sorry, by, by uh, trade deadline. Uh, I do imagine us just picking, just rounding out those, those sore spots more than making huge cataclysmic changes. Well, I tell you what, fellas, I don't like it. I love it. What an episode yeah. <laughs> came here. We, we had a journey. It. We all we had hats it. on. It's a lot yeah. of good stuff. A lot of good takeaways here. Um, listen, everybody knows you can get the glue guys, wherever you get those podcast needs fulfilled and all that good stuff. You want to plug anything? You got any handles, handlebar mustaches, anything you want people to know about? Mike, um, what do we do? I have a betting service. I don't know. <laughs> Smeltzcoin, the new crypto, Smeltzcoin. <laughs> like a reverse um, zoo where instead of the animals pet you. Is that what we're? Yeah. Uh, no, we got a Discord and stuff. People can find us in there. It's a fun community. Are you guys doing Discord yet? Should hop in there. Sounds um, like we should. No, yeah, you know, listen, we're we like to uh, we tow in the water. We're a tow yeah, in the water kind of yeah. kind of podcast. Well, we just did a, a Twitter live the other day. We felt pretty good about it. <laughs> That is not bad. But yeah, discord.gg slash glue guys and you know all that stuff. And then we have the show. But yeah. Awesome. Um, go find them. Go enjoy them. We really appreciate it. We'll do a crossover like this again. As everybody knows on the Locked On Nets podcast, normally we close with a quote, unless I don't have Doug here. In that case, I simply say, I miss my friend and I can't wait for him to get back here again so we can keep talking all things Brooklyn Nets basketball. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.